What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer, and this is Squawk Pod. The House of Mouse is raising prices and stocking up on streamers. If you combine Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, and Hulu, Disney now has 221 million streaming subscribers. Hanging on to those subs, like our own Andrew Ross Sorkin and Melissa Lee. 20 bucks a month is Netflix? Really? That's what I'm paying? Good news on gas, prices at the pump below a key psychological level. But don't forget the big picture of, yeah, inflation. Economist Mohamed El Arian. That's why you're going to get one Fed speaker after the other reminding us that the battle against inflation is, is not over in any sense. And it is the essentials that are too pricey for most. Pollster Frank Luntz on the emotional cost. More than 70% of Americans have trouble making ends meet. One out of four literally have trouble paying their bills because of inflation. It's Thursday, August 11th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand under by in three, two, one, two, Andrew. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Melissa Lee this morning. Becky and Joe are off. It's nice to see you again, Melissa, hanging out uh, for the three hour. Good afternoon and welcome to the Walt Disney Company's third quarter 2022 financial results conference call. Joining me for today's call are Bob Chapek, Disney's chief executive officer. Good afternoon, everyone. We had an excellent quarter powered by world-class storytelling. Disney, uh, the company beating the street on the top and bottom lines. Uh, It's Parks Division posting record results. Disney Plus subscriptions rising to 152.1 million during the most recent quarter, also topping expectations. If you combine Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu, Disney now has 221 million streaming subscribers. Now, Hulu partially owned by our parent company, Comcast, but that gets it very close uh, in terms of where Netflix is. Having said that, of course, there are these issues about the value of each customer, uh, specifically India, where the, the, the value of each customer is actually a lot lower. We'll talk about all this in just a minute. Uh, but among the other headlines from Disney's last night, from Disney last night, it announced a new bundle price. This includes an ad-supported version of Disney+, and that starts on December 8th. U.S. Uh, versions of Disney Plus with commercials will be available for $7.99 per month, currently the price of Disney Plus without ads. Now, the price of Disney Plus without ads will rise 38% to $10.99. That's a $3 per month increase. And one red flag in last night's report, Disney lowering its 2024 forecast for Disney Plus subscribers by $15 million. It does expect the service to be profitable by next year. And it's interesting, Andrew, to see all of these streaming services now launch an ad-supported model just when the ad market is really softening. I mean, the timing of this is is kind of unfortunate uh, in terms of that that land grab for, for ads on these platforms. Well, I mean, I think there's two issues here. One was, how can you grow subs? Everybody was sub-crazy. Maybe people will stop getting sub-crazy because the reason everyone's going after the subs with the advertising program right now is is strictly that that number. And maybe the lesson in all of this is, you know, 
as uh, as David Zaslav likes to say, we need to get paid. And so the question right. is, how do you how do you get paid uh, for all of this? And, right. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the right answer is in terms of uh, in terms of this. Is is the consumer, by the way, stronger these days in terms of subscribe from the subscriber side or the advertiser community? But the advertiser and the consumer, I think, are attached at the hip. Right. And Chapek yesterday, I think it was on the call or maybe it was in an interview, had said that they, he believes that there's a lot of pricing pricing room, I think is the term that he used. We launched at an extraordinarily compelling price across all of the platforms that we have for streaming. We believe because that increase in the investment over the past two and a half years relative to a very good uh, uh, price point that we have plenty of room on price value. And we do not believe that there's going to be any meaningful long-term impact on our churn as a result. So there's a trade-off, of course, but he, he sees that there's actually much more power to the Disney brand and the Disney value proposition to extract those price increases still. Which well, if you think about where they are compared to where the Netflix, I mean, I'm paying 20, what, 20 bucks a month now for Netflix. And 20 talking bucks about a price. month is Netflix? Really? That's I'm what I'm paying? At, oh. I think I'm basically at 20. I mean, I think I'm on the high, one of the higher ones only because mm -hmm. we stream a couple things from different devices and whatnot, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's getting up there, that's for sure. We've got some good news around energy costs. Gasoline prices have fallen for nearly 60 straight days, and now the nationwide average is back below four bucks a gallon. It's for the first time since March, but could these price drops be short-lived? Is this a head fake? For the answer, Brian Sullivan is with us to talk about everything going on around oil and energy. Brian, what do you think here? Well, let's be sunny side up, Sorkin and Sullivan. Let's focus on the glass half full, the sunny side of the street, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Okay, that said, this is the good news. $3.99 a gallon nationwide, first time since March. That's good news for a lot of people. Gasoline is an incredibly regressive tax. You pay the same, Andrew. I pay the same. A lot of people with lower incomes pay pretty much the same. California, of course, they continue to be the outlier there. They got special blends, taxes, whatever. But in the South and in parts of the Midwest, the price of gasoline is now below four bucks. Yay. Now to the stuff that you may not want to hear, which is this. The price of oil has kind of sneakily gone up, guys, by about four bucks a barrel in just the last couple of days. We could throw the board up. It is back up. Look at that. It is up again. It's over 92 and this morning, the International Energy Agency just raised their oil demand estimates by 380,000 barrels a day to 2 point something million barrels a day next year because power plants, particularly in Europe, are switching from natural gas back to oil. Again, this seems hard to believe in 2022. We're going from gas back to oil. It's like coal and oil continue to see these huge surges it's not a headline from 1922, guys. It's 2022. So the price of oil up about four bucks a barrel in the last couple of days. So, Brian, I, we're trying to be sunny side up, right? Let's, we're trying to do the sunny side up game. I get yes. that. Glass half full. Let's stay glass half full. So with prices increasing on that side of the uh, equation, what's your expectation for the fall? The bull case is a lot easier to make than the bear case, Andrew. I'll tell you why. You got a lot of things going on. Number one, the 160 million barrel release from the SPR, that's over. It's got to be refilled. You've got 
travel demand, assuming the consumer doesn't completely crash, right? Could just come offline. You've been flying lately. I've been flying like every two days I've been at an airport. They're mob. As long as consumer demand doesn't go off, we'll see demand stay higher. You've got the full European Union sanctions. They're rolling off on December 5th as well. So that would be oils going, <clears throat> the oil going higher case. The oil going lower case is simply that if we are entering some kind of a recessionary or slowdown period, people are driving less. But I will say this, there was driving data, gasoline demand data that came out last week that kind of cratered the oil market. That data actually went back to where it was pre-crater yesterday when the data came out. So there was one week where it showed that gas demand may be falling, but the new data showed it's not. And guys, just use your eyes. New Jersey Turnpike, wherever you may be, seems like there's a lot of people driving and a lot of people flying. Every plane yep. is packed. It sounds to me like there's a bull case, at least in the temporary term. Maybe there's a bear case later, but I don't know. I've never bought extra gasoline. I mean, do you have? Do you keep gasoline at home? I'm starting to think that maybe at $3.99, I should go out right now and, and pick some up. Uh, okay, I do keep gasoline at home, but it's not because I'm like storing or hoarding gasoline, Andrew. It's because I've got machines that are, that are gas powered. By the way, that I would look forward to transitioning to electric because they're loud and it's, they kind of sound like leaf blowers in your ears. But that said, yes, I mean, should you go fill up today if your car is low? I would because I'll, I'll bet, I don't know. I, how about this, guys? Melissa and Andrew, if you want to bet a dollar or a coffee or a lunch in person again, I would make the argument that oil will be back above 100 bucks a barrel by Labor Day. I think that's a if good it bet. Is, I'll, I'll buy, buy you. I'm not taking the other side. I'll, I'm, I'm happy. I'm I don't want to take the other side, but I'll buy a lottery ticket as a hedge. How about that? There we go. With well, so no, we it. want it. If you guys will win if it stays lower than 100, which means the consumer wins. That means I get to be the bad guy. That's okay. my role we'll here. take it. A good check on consumer spending. Take a look at shares of Six Flags. That theme park operator plummeting in the pre-market after second quarter profit and revenue falling well below analyst forecasts. Six Flags saw its results hit by a 22% drop in attendance versus the second quarter of 2021. Shares are bouncing around near their lows of the past year, Melissa. But it's interesting to look at that versus what we're seeing from the parks, for example, at Disney. Right, but we know that attendance for Disney isn't even back up to 2019 levels, right. but guests are spending more, so they're buying more turkey legs or, you know, mouse ears, whatever you buy at Disney. I don't know if you've gone recently, Andrew. <laughs> I did. I did. I was there, um, I was there in May, and, and um, I, you know, unfortunately, you know I'm a cheapskate, and we spent, uh, <laughs> we spent a lot. We spent a lot. Cheese will be next. Still to come on Squawk Pod, the power of inflation language, America's pocketbooks, and White House rhetoric with pollster Frank Luntz. For Joe Biden to redefine what that means and to attempt to do it for the word recession is really the thing that the American people should be angriest about. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. 
We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Melissa Lee. Here's Melissa. Despite the market's reaction to the CPI data, the decline in July unlikely to deter the Fed from continued major rate hikes this year and even into next year. Steve Leisman joins us now with more. What you had is Fed officials yesterday. They didn't quite share the market's enthusiasm for the better than expected inflation numbers. While welcoming the improvement, they said, you know what, this is not a game change as far as they're concerned. Uh, Neil Kashkari, the aforementioned Minneapolis Fed president, saying this doesn't change my rate path. He expects 3.9 percent to uh, 3.9 fund rate in 2022, all the way up to 4.4 in 2023. Chicago Fed President Charles Evans, similarly nonplussed, backing a 3.75 to 4 percent rate by the end of 2023. Both Fed bank presidents leaning against the market pricing for a peak rate of around 3.6 and for rate cuts next year. That's not what they're saying. Okay, there's going to be some jawboning in these comments. Fed officials hoping to keep financial conditions tight, which helps them in their effort to bring down inflation. But there's also a caution about just how fast inflation is going to come down. Goldman Sachs economists in a report yesterday, they pushed ahead into 2023, the outlook for when goods disinflation really kicks in, noting that auto inventories are likely to remain depressed through the winter. And there have been some large price increases recently announced from companies across the goods sector. Uh, Nancy Lazar at Piper Sandler, she's sort of optimistic about inflation, but writes, there are still very powerful forces that will keep inflation firm and the Fed hawkish. None of this makes the equity market rally wrong. Stocks can be down enough right now to justify taking an option on the Fed ended up being dovish or wrong in the general outlook. But it will be several months of improving inflation data needed before Fed officials themselves, Melissa, will take that gamble and start to ease off on the rhetoric, on the rate hikes, and the breaks. All right. I wanted to ask you about CPI and how it's calculated, and I don't want to get too wonky, nor can I get too wonky because I just don't know enough Max about will it. Just go, Max will just but, go to commercial. Don't worry about it. Just, just do your thing. Of, and the, the music will play and we'll be in commercial. But I mean, in terms of you know what we've seen really come down, we've seen a, a sharp fall off in terms of the price of rental and used cars. Right. We've seen a sharp, you know, there are certain components that have really right. come down, which may have led the overall core to come down. And when you actually strip out some of these items like airfares and hotels, the trend is is still higher, as I understand it. Yeah, there's still a lot of components. It's it's mixed. I mean, I'm not sure I'd be interested in the logic for justifying taking out the airfare decline or the or the auto decline. Um, There's the trim means that come out of Cleveland and other places that say we'll take out anything that's unusual at the top and anything unusual at the bottom. Um, This is how we got here with huge increases in used car prices, huge increases in airfare. I'm also interested, Melissa, in some of the prices are coming down because commodity prices fell. Put that over the side. What were the prices that came down because consumers got sticker shock and said no moss when it came to certain things? Can we know that? Well, look at airfares. 
Airfares have been up 38% at their peak year-on-year rate. They're now down two months in a row. Hotel prices are down. Have we reached a point in used car prices where they're like, you know what? Can't do any more here. We need to, we need to uh, move along. The Six Flags, I mean, I, this is like, it's crazy, right? Six Flags comes out and say, it's way down. Is that because of gas prices and, and people making more decisions? And then I'm just reading what Disney's saying. Right. It's up and crazy. So, um, well, and they it, have fewer visitors, but they're spending more. They're spending more, per um, visit. and 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 they're making their their, their bottom line on that, on that kind of stuff. So, to me, I'm not ready to give up the ghost yet on the consumer. I think if we can get this sustained uh, gas price uh, 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 decline out there, people can turn in their their opinions on the economy pretty quickly. Gas prices come down quickly, and then they they buy things, other things, <laughs> which makes the Fed's job harder. <laughs> That's another discussion. Yeah. I just want to say a number, zero. Today, we received news that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July, 0%. Here's what that means. While the price of some things go up, went up last month, the price of other things went down by the same amount. The result, zero inflation last month, but people are still hurting, but zero inflation last month. Stand Andrew by. Up and Andrew, Q. That was President Biden weighing in on the CPI data at the White House event yesterday. But uh, for more in, for more on this inflation and really the administration's response, I want to bring in pollster and political strategist Frank Luntz. Frank, so you don't like this at all. You think this was a terrible, terrible mistake, it sounds like. Why? It's because it's cynical. It is a destruction of the meaning of words. It's Orwellian at its worst. It's the kind of job that I do as a language guy, as someone who tries to find the words and phrases to connect to the American people. But as a pollster, I know how much it plays into our belief that we can't trust our elected officials and we can't trust our institutions. You know, we've been polling this issue and the American people think that it's harder now to make it, to get by. More than 70% of Americans have trouble making ends meet. One out of four literally have trouble paying their bills at the end of the week or end of the month because of inflation. And for Joe Biden to redefine what that means and to attempt to do it for the word recession is really the thing that the American people should be angriest about. You know, I do these presentations and these discussions, and I am a proud contributor to CNBC. I I seek the truth. And when the American people understanding, you've got the numbers up there, what the inflation, what it really is. Right now, to put people on a plane, to have them attempt to, to, to put kids back to school, and they know how expensive it is. For him to say that the inflation rate is zero is going to be one of those issues that we remember the Biden administration for playing games with the English language. So, Frank, though, here's the question. There, there is an argument to be made that when there's good news, a president is supposed to tell you about the good news. And I think arguably this was good news. I think it's hard to say it wasn't good news, at least temporarily. We don't know what, of course, is going to come this fall or what's going to come in 2023. But in an environment when it often feels like there's not a lot of good news, should the president not go out and say there's good? I mean, this is, I think, a little different than saying mission accomplished many years ago, as you know so well. So then the inflation rate is zero? 
Andrew, I know you don't I, believe I'm it. I'm not arguing the inflation rate zero. I'm just uh, what I'm what I'm questioning is is it the language that he used? Is it that yes. he should be is should it be there any victory lap whatsoever? Um, how how would you do it if you were him? Uh, I would say that with that inflation, he's has every right to say that it hasn't gotten worse this month over last month. But to say that the inflation rate is zero is the height of hypocrisy, and a president has a responsibility to tell the American people the truth. Is it a success that after month, after month, after month, after month of inflation getting worse, it didn't get worse this month? That's acceptable. But to claim that the inflation rate is zero, to to claim that we're not in a recession, is simply wrong. And you are honest. This is the okay, Fred, CNBC. I, look, I, I agree with you on, on the inflation. Look, saying the inflation rate is zero, obviously, is, is inaccurate unto itself. The question about whether we're in a recession, though, I think actually is a more complicated one these days. And I'm, I'm not necessarily taking sides. I'm just suggesting, yes, from a technical perspective, you know, two, two quarters of negative GDP, you, you oftentimes say that it's a recession. Though in this, it's not your father's recession insofar as you look at where labor is and employment is, and it looks like a very different picture. So a little more complicated or you think not fair? No, that is fair. And it is more complicated. But the difference, it used to be that we focused as much on employment. but we, And we've got a very good employment record right now. But you still have people falling behind, have good jobs, great careers, and they have less money to spend now than they had before, even though they got raises because of inflation. And the fact is inflation hits every individual in every community, in every corner of the country. Doesn't matter whether you're middle class, working class, wealthy, poor, it's a tax on everyone. And when everyone is feeling the pain and it is significant, for example, few prices, it's not what it was 30 days ago or 60 days ago. It's still unaffordable for so many Americans. And you see that. Frank, I'm not disagreeing with you, but let me ask you this. And and maybe the market's wrong. Um, And and you know that the difference between the economy and the stock market can be two very different things. But something has happened over the past couple of weeks, as you've seen, as the stock market has improved uh, on the expectation. Again, whether the expectation is right or wrong, I think is still subject to, to questions we won't know for quite some time. But there is a view that things actually are getting better. And then the question is, to the extent that that view is right, should the president be uh, taking advantage of that, talking it up, et cetera? Now, remember, I'm a pollster and my job is to report the American people. And you have a lot of business leaders who watch this show. The American public is is trapped right now. The American public is frustrated right now. And it's one of the reasons why. The economy is where it is because they simply cannot afford the items that they wish to spend on. They are still not filling up their tanks every time they go to uh, to the gas station because they cannot afford a full tank. They're not buying the food that they want because they cannot afford it. They cannot travel where they want and they're putting kids on planes. And that is one of the most expensive increases. They're not buying the cars that they want because the inflation is so high. If that's not a definition. In the end, it's how the public sees it, not just right. the people who watch the Frank, show. I, and Andrew, 
the public. You, you know, I hate disagreeing with you, but what I don't understand is if you spend time at an airport or if you spend time on uh, on, on the streets of a city these days, uh, people are buying. The consumer is, seems almost strangely uh, very, very strong these days, much stronger than I think uh, in some ways you may be intimating, oddly enough. But they're not buying what they want to buy, they're buying what they can afford to buy. Frank Luntz, uh, always one to, uh, to help us understand better what's going on across the country. Uh, we look forward to talking again very soon. Coming up on Squawk Pod, big prices, big picture with economist Mohamed Alarian. What you're really getting is the energy prices coming down. And that is what resulted in the zero inflation month on month and the decline to 8.5% in the headline. More on what you're paying these days and why right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. I'm producer Katie Kramer. July's inflation data, which we got in yesterday's Consumer Price Index reading, well, it sure put the summer stock markets in a good mood. The CPI was cooler than expected this hot summer. Prices that consumers pay for a variety of goods and services rose 8.5% for the month from a year ago, a slowing pace from June due largely to a drop in gasoline prices. Well, markets rallied, the Dow gained more than 500 points. It's now less than 10% below its all-time high. The inflation number also raises the question whether the Fed will slow the pace of rate hikes. Now, Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell has made it absolutely clear that the central bank's recent assertiveness, increasing rate hikes, is entirely to tamp down surging prices. He said this at his most recent press conference. The question we'll be asking is whether the stance of policy we have is sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation back down to our 2% target. And it's also worth noting that these rate hikes have been large and they've come, they've come quickly. And uh, it's likely that their full effect has not been felt by the economy. So there's probably some additional tightening, significant additional tightening in the, in the pipeline. So where are we going with this? I, th- I think the best, I think the committee broadly feels that we need to get policy to at least to a moderately restrictive level. We got into all of this today on our TV broadcast with Mohammed Alarian, Allianz and Gramercy advisor and president of Queens College, Cambridge. Here's Andrew. What do you think here? Is the Fed actually going to slow down? It's not. The Fed is going to have to consolidate its gains. Yes, gains because headline inflation came in better than expected. They can't celebrate. In fact, you've had a few Fed speakers come out already and say it's early days and we're not going to stop hiking. So I think the Fed is going to welcome the latest print, but it's not going to slow down in any significant manner. And so when you say not slow down, we're at 75 basis points in your mind or we're at 50? Because that seems to be the big debate. Somewhere between 50 and 75, but that's a lot 
Andrew, when you think we've already had 275s. Look, the Fed has had a couple of really good data reports. The jobs report and, of course, the inflation, which suggests to them that they can continue doing what they're doing because the underlying strength of the economy is still significant. And that's important. So when you think about where we are right now, I mean, there is a view in the equity market right now. You've seen how, how, how fast the market has come back. And some people think the train has already left the station. Has it left the station or is it going to return to the station based on uh, some of your perhaps pessimism about where we really are in the economy? Okay, so we've had an incredible rally. And the first stage of the rally was all driven by technicals and relative valuations. What's encouraging is that the latest stage of the rally was driven by less worrisome fundamentals. And that, that's a good thing. That has more legs to it. Looking forward, Andrew, I think it's too early to call the recession risk over. I think there are significant headwinds coming. And the other thing about the inflation number, as much as I and others rightly celebrated the headline inflation, core inflation is still worrisome. It went up. It went up to 5.9%. If you look at the Cleveland Fed's measure of trimmed inflation, that also suggests that inflation is very broad-based. So what you're really getting is the energy prices coming down, and that is what resulted in the zero inflation month on month and the decline to 8.5% in the headline. But the underlying drivers of inflation still remain strong and broad-based. And the PPI number is going to be important in this. What did you make? I don't know if you saw what President Biden said yesterday, um, calling it a zero inflation month. And we talked to Frank Luntz about it earlier. A lot of people said just disingenuous and maybe shouldn't be uh, doing a victory lap so soon. Look, from the data, it was a zero percent inflation month. Um, but when you say that to people, there's two problems. One is there was massive dispersion that month. So it was energy and it was gas that really drove down the inflation rate month to month to zero. Other things went up, including food that went up by 1.1%. So people don't feel like it's been a zero inflation. Second, inflation at 8.5% still hurts. And it hurts when it comes on top of inflation being high. So I understand why, on the one hand, it is correct to say 0% inflation month on month. But on the other hand, people say, well, what are you talking about? I'm still feeling the pain. And it just tells you that we're going to have to sustain this progress against inflation. We've got to put the inflation genie back into the bottle as fast as possible. Finally, when you look at sort of this risk on idea, you're seeing meme stocks start to move. We've seen crypto start to move. Do you think that makes sense? It does because financial conditions are easing. And that's what the Fed is worried about. The Fed does not want a premature easing of financial conditions. But you're getting it. Um, and that's that's the dilemma is on the one hand, the market wants to run ahead of the Fed, having run ahead of the Fed on the inflation call, saying the Fed the, to the Fed inflation is going to be high. It now wants to run ahead of the Fed on the inflations under control. But the Fed is saying, wait a minute, don't ease financial conditions too early. That's why you're going to get one Fed speaker after the other reminding us that the battle against inflation is, is not over in any sense. Mohamed Alarian, always good to see you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Andrew. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Melissa Lee for sitting in another day. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You can tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern or follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here 
tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.